0: What's going on, guys? And welcome to The Modern Man Podcast. This is officially the first episode of The Modern Man Podcast. I'm excited to have you guys on. If you've been following the No Rain, No Rainbows podcast, thank you so much for the support. And hopefully you will continue to support us on this endeavor as we work on the mission of connecting men in pursuit of their potential. If you are looking to show up as your best self in your everyday lives as a brother, father, son, member of your community, you're in the right place and we would encourage you to join our Facebook group as well to find like-minded individuals putting wind in each other's sails to be their best selves. We also have these conversations here on the podcast to help you elevate to the next level and I'm excited to address a topic that's been a recurring challenge for a lot of men in our Facebook group and The person to help us walk us through this is the author of Rookie Father, a playbook for men experiencing fatherhood for the first time. It's a pleasure to have Kendall Smith on the call today. Kendall, thank you so much for joining us out of New Jersey. Thanks, Ted. Great to be here and glad to be on the first Modern Man episode. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. And the reason this was the first, and I wanted to kind of talk to you on it because it tends to be a recurring challenge that a lot of men in our group go through. Now, I'm recently married. About nine and a half months in, congrats! So, thank awesome. you. I'm still a rookie. I'd like to think I'm the rookie of the year, but we'll let my wife put in that nomination. Okay. <laughs> right. So obviously, there's a lot of things that I need to learn as a husband, and I haven't even gotten to the the level of father yet. But one thing I noticed when when you wrote the book and you mentioned the playbook for men experiencing fatherhood for the first time, you Relied on the advice and the mentorship of a lot of other guys for you on that journey. How important was that as you started getting knee deep, waist deep, shoulder and and over your head in fatherhood?
1: You know, I'll tell you the interesting quote that came out in the '90s that became kind of commonplace was, "It takes a village to raise a child." Mm -hmm. And when I heard that, I thought about my hometown. It hit a nerve with me like none other because. My neighbor's fathers, my best friend's dads, I observed and I started to learn at an early age that if I'm going to be a father, I have to observe from someone else because my parents divorced and my parents were separated by the time I was six. But I knew that I wanted to have a good foundation for myself. And so the advice that's in Rookie Father actually started when I was eight years old and there were observations, good and bad dads, and it's a collection of the wisdom I've garnered and it's helped me preserve my marriage for 18 years I'm a dad now of a son, he's eight years old, and I think we're thickest as thieves as far as our relationship goes. And I've tried to also make this advice in the book actionable. So it's not a 30-page dissertation, reads like a master's thesis. It's actionable and it's succinct advice written for how men consume advice content.
0: Yeah, and and the thing I love about it, you have 131 plays, and the chapters are kind of. They're very consumable, bite sized. And, and yeah. I love how you break up the book into sections and you also address different areas where, I mean, I could see in, in the thick of parenting. And I, I would also say, as a caveat, your experience is not that unique, right? Oh, yeah. You even mentioned it in the book how millions of men have grown up without yeah. that father figure in the household. So I'm sure so many men might feel that same void that you felt. But as Somebody who acknowledges and knows that they were blessed to have their father in their lives still do, thankfully. My dad's 80 years old now. Oh, wow. He's instilled a lot of knowledge on me and he's done the best job he can with me. But even going through the books, going through your book, you know, I'm learning to expand my playbook because as you mentioned, you had multiple people that you pulled from. And I think that's true even for men who did grow up with a father in their household. So I do want to let Anyone listening know that this is a, a book that is going to be very useful whether you had a father growing up or not? Yeah, thank you. The way you break it down and you chunk it down into small consumable sections, I could see that being very, very helpful in terms of of being in the thick of parenting and this thing comes up and you want to address that specifically. I guess how did that format come about? Was that something you felt like you needed as a reference in your parenting journey?: You know it came from actually my experience working in men's health. Okay. And I worked there for 10 years.
1: And the way that men's health editors write advice-driven content, we can't even call it self-help content if you're a guy. No one wants to ask for help. <laughs> and I joke about, again, it's kind of outdated, but if you are driving around without your navigation in your car and your wife turns and asks you to get directions if you're driving, you're going to refuse. Yeah. It's our instinct, right? So in men's health, the way they positioned it and the way they wrote for men, was it was all suggestive. Like here's a challenge and here's one way to remedy the challenge with a solution, with an approach. Hmm. And the other reason is men don't, we don't have the time as dads to dive into a deep 30 page read. It's got to be succinct and it's, it's, I'd say 90% of the book is based on real world examples and observations. So it's not pie in the sky, it's not theoretical and it's it's something that every guy can skip through as well. It's not something you read page one to page two. Three hundred. It's broken up.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's a lot to unpack in the book, but jumping into kind of the pain point for some of the guys in our Facebook group mm-hmm. and really the pain point that you touch on a number of times in a number of different ways in the book. And some of that comes out as time management. And, yeah. and what I love is you, you mentioned the time management. You mentioned the different stages that your kid would be in and how to also manage that with a spouse. What are some of the, I guess, foundational practices that some men can adopt, whether it be they're expecting or they just welcomed a new child into the world, or maybe even some seasoned fathers who have two, three, five, six-year-olds, and they're still trying to hone in on things. What are some of the fundamental tips and advice you can give guys who are kind of just trying to manage their time first and foremost?
1: There's three suggestions. One, an expectant father or your child's under a year old, that first year of their life is your sabbatical from your hobbies. Just take a break, take a pause, get involved every single day, do something meaningful every day with your son or daughter. If It's just reading them a book at night. And this is for older parents too, or for parents with older children. That daily consistency helps, it provides children with a little more security. A little more comfort, and it helps you in the bonding process. It's tremendous. Mm-hmm. The second thing is when you do get back into it, like I, after a year, like I love to play tennis, I love to play drums. I'm in a, I'm in a band, and when I got back into it, I'm like, I'm going to readjust my schedule so that I'm either doing it when my child's asleep at night, or I'm getting up early in the morning. So when I'm in writing mode, I'm up at five thirty a.m. Hmm. and I go to bed a little earlier. And after three months, I'm pretty tired. But I, I actually have finished entire first manu- manuscripts by waking up every day and getting through that process, just waking up a little bit earlier.
0: Yeah.
1: And the third thing is your job. So you have to approach your work life. You almost have to really look at how you do your job and how you do it more efficiently. Mm-hmm. And if you're in, like, I have one suggestion in the book that if you're in a meeting and you're not getting anything out of it and it's not that relevant, Leave up and go out. And if your boss criticizes you, well, I'm doing other things that are higher priority. So you can get out of work at 530, do your commute, get home to your kids. So you see them every day. And alternatively, again, working in those hobbies, working in your life, it's, I think, working with your wife as well, so that the time you fear for yourself, you return to her. That's another important thing. So if you have a hobby that you're doing three times a week, like figure out time you can carve out with your children so she has time to herself. And that that reward back and forth, it strengthens your marriage as well.
0: Yeah. Now, a lot of us have goals, ambitions, you know, and and one thing I talk about on the podcast and in the group, and we talk about, you know, wanting to spend as much time with our kids as possible and also wanting to, to build a life that might offer us some of that freedom. Yeah. And it's funny because a recurring conversation my wife and I have uh, is, you know, she sees my ambition and she sees these businesses that I'm trying to, trying to start. And she's like, it's one or the other. She's under the belief that, Hey, you you can't have these businesses and have a kid. I'm thinking, well, the, the purpose of these businesses is to focus onto these kids. And you even touch on financially in the book, how difficult it is in today's world. Economically to live off of just one person's salary.
1: Yeah. Now, it's so hard. It, it's <laughs> and the only way, the only way to do it is again if you are if you own a home mm-hmm. is you have to put down a huge deposit to lower the interest payments you pay so you lower your monthly expense and most people don't have that most people yeah. are borrowing eighty percent against their home and then both parents have to work and it's it's challenging and I don't know about you like my, I, I've got side hustles left and right. And I've got to do that. It's like writing the book was exciting, but there's going to be a payday at some point that hopefully pays for all this time I put into it and then goes to my college, my son's college fund.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. So so you would say, obviously with healthy balance, right? Because I think in the book, we mentioned the creativity. You kind of talk about, you know, with teamwork and, and also having that long range investment, that long range plan. A lot of times we try and tackle what's right in front of us. And it almost sounds that you're putting advice in because I got through the the section when it came to, to finances, and a yeah. lot of that was was front loaded for a later payout, whether yeah. you're investing for the college tuition, and you have these, you have a section of buckets. You know, yeah, let's talk about the right. buckets really quick because I, I love the buckets part, because I do think this is something that is, is a challenge for so many parents, right? I'm trying to hit on the first thing the guys are talking about are you know, time management. The second thing that parents probably freak out about bringing the child into the world is, okay, our time is no longer our own, but how do we sustain the payments? How do we keep up with really the ever-increasing cost of childhood? And you have these buckets, which I absolutely love because I have a similar concept in my head. I call it a waterfall, but break that down for us in terms of how this could hopefully help some men lead to that financial comfort in the raising of their children. Glad to.
1: Yeah, the the concept of the bucket strategy is starting with your overall income and prioritizing it. And if you miss a bucket in terms of filling it, your financial obligations, over time, the other buckets run dry. Mm -hmm. So obviously we've talked about mortgages at home and you're probably, you may be looking at making a move to a better school district or a bigger home with a backyard or it could be a simple upgrade from an apartment to a condo, whatever that may be. But that has to be managed in a way that you can economically save for your retirement, for the 529, for the upgrades, which is the, the very last one.
0: What's a 529 for some of the guys who might not know about that?
1: Sure. So in all in all but six states across the country, you can make tax-free investments like a 401k into a college savings fund. And that money goes tax-free right to pay for college expenses when they are incurred. So it's essentially free money because that's tax deductible um, to a certain amount. Mm-hmm. and by not doing that, and by looking at a college cost that could be anywhere from 15 dollars to $60,000 out of state in five to 10 years, all of a sudden you're really going to be pinched. And the only way to manage that is the child is born, you open the account, and it's literally a few hundred dollars a month, if not every paycheck. And if that's automatically deposited, automatically put in place, compounding will grow that. And you'll be shocked how much you can save in just 10 years. And when you get to that point, now you're looking at college like, okay, first two years paid for. I can probably cover that. So that third year, maybe we get we got one more third year. And if you could get all of college paid and you're at the time when maybe you're near retirement or maybe you have a second child on the way and you got to get that college fund going. Irregardless, you're going to be in so much a better spot just to have the opportunity to retire with that 529 in place. And then what comes before that is your 401k. That's to be funded first because- your child may be able to procure grants, loans to pay for the college themselves. If you can't pay for your own retirement through a 401k, then you're working forever. And no one wants to do that. That's, that's misery.
0: Yeah. And I know a lot of parents who are now retired and they're enjoying being able to spend time with their kids, travel to be with their grandkids and yeah. have that enjoyment and that that freedom because of the decisions they made earlier. And and the way I hear that, to be honest, and maybe speaking to some of the fellas listening, is for the cost of a pair of Jordans a month, I could pay for my kids' college tuition. Yeah. I'll just That's leave a it. great away. analogy.
1: That's <laughs> great.
0: Yeah, because I know yeah. a lot of you guys listening have a, a closet full of them. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) Breaking it down because those two pain points, right? Time management, finances. We know those are things parents worry about. But what is, I guess, the foundational advice you hope men take from this book? And as they look forward to fatherhood and they really start embarking on this journey, we know there's so many aspects, more than just those two to it. Those are probably the tangible, measurable things that we see in everyday lives. But what are some of the foundational experiences and examples you saw through your research, your upbringing, and, and kind of looking at your friends' dads, neighbors' dads, and things like that, that you hope to pass along in this book?
1: Sure. I mean, I'll, I'll back up and, and give some some perspective on the size and audience we're talking about. Yeah. If you look at children raised in the 90s, and I know when you were born, I think you're younger than me. The audience of children raised in the 90s in absence of a father is 19 million men. And those men today are either just entering or about to enter their parenting years, which is a huge audience. If you have a father, when you become one, you've had that knowledge passed down to you. You've had that wisdom that you can put to use. And if you don't, what men take away from this book is they can write their own playbook. They can correct essentially over the long term an imbalance in their lineage. And it gets to the, the legacy section of the book, which is if you raise in the absence of a father, at the end of uh, when you leave this world for the next, and your kids are happy, you've remained married and committed, they're in good relationships, you have grandkids, you've really course corrected an imbalance in that lineage, should be something positive, and it's probably the most important thing you could do in your life, and you can literally make this playbook from anything. It can be characters on TV that inspired you, movie characters, Lawrence Fishburne, boys in the hood. Any boy can make a child, but it takes a man to raise a son. Mm -hmm. I heard that when I was 21 and it stuck with me. It still resonates to me to this day because I kind of look at that. I'm like, God, that is something to aspire to. And it really motivated me. So I think every guy has the opportunity to be a great father. And just know you're going to be a little freaked out at first, but... You're a student, again, for the first time, and it's the most important thing you'll ever have to learn. And you won't make mistakes along the way, but admitting to them, adapting to them, it'll make you a great parent.
0: Kendall, how did becoming a father alter, impact, or change your decision-making? It's
1: funny. I, um, My wife and I joke about this. I was a tightwad before my son was born. I was so worried about money. And that's why I did so much research and studies and I did my own investing. The minute my son was born, I had a whole new purpose for money. Hmm. It changed my entire perspective. And now saving is important. Traveling with my son is important. Going to his first concert this summer, very important. He's eight years old. We got to do this. (laughs) So I see those now as I see more of as an investment of time and experience and culture and there's a purpose. Like we bought our we bought a dream house last year and we yes. took a lot of risk. I'm still not out of the woods, but like he's we a cul-de-sac now. So he's got a much better experience or opportunity to have an experience as a child than I did growing up on a busy street.
0: You talk about buying the dream house, committed in marriage, and now this this experience that your child is is going to be having through life. Yeah. And one phase of life, I think it's the first four months you mentioned teamwork. Yeah. How important is it having the right partner in this journey? And we know unfortunately there's there's some guys listening who who might be doing it on their own. Yeah. Or they might be forced to do it from a distance. How important is it working with the partner that you have? And I would even even venture and throw that challenge out there is even if you're not together with the spouse, how does that teamwork, that camaraderie and that cohesiveness? Impact the growth and the development of that child.
1: I think if the presence of a father in the life of a child, if it's at a distance, if it's co-parenting, it plays such a significant role. And the, and the, the proof is in the numbers. If you look at children raised in homes without fathers, they're nine times more likely to get involved in drugs and alcohol. They're ten times more likely to be accosted by law enforcement and again the trouble with the law. And just having that balance of two parents is significant. And I would just say that the most important thing is trying to establish a working functional relationship. And the, the great examples, I look at that show on MTV, does it team moms? Yeah. So that show, I look at these guys and they're super young and they don't know what's going on and they get freaked out and they want to go party with their boys. And it's like, yeah, but, but you're missing an opportunity when your child goes from one to two years old, if you haven't been in the, the last nine months, that time is gone forever. Hmm. And that opportunity to bond is gone forever. you got to be there every single day and have a presence. I think doing everything you can to preserve your relationship, I have a whole section called Your Wife about hmm. time management, about teamwork and getting home and dropping the work bag and getting, pick up the kid up, feed them, bathe them, whatever. Like it just brings such a relief to your, your better half. And I think it's critical that guys commit to that. If they just do that one thing, even if their wife is yelling at them, end of the week, you know, and you present your case kind of hard on me this week. Look what I did. Look how much time I gave back to you. Look how involved I was. You're innocent in the eyes of, of God.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I I want to follow that really quick because I really enjoyed that section in terms of, you know, for, for those guys who are, who are with their wives, whether it be the first few stages, going through the next stages, or whatnot, and that camaraderie and that teamwork, and and kind of the the way you two co-parent together. Yeah, you talk about the authority, for example. If the authority just comes from one parent, yeah. children are going to learn really quick how to manipulate, and, and it yeah. becomes almost a house divided if if there's not if there's not unity in the way disciplines administered and given. But you also talk about Quite frankly, early on in life, there's there's things that you can't do that the mother can do. There's things okay. that the mom's going to be kind of taking on. How can a new father best support their partner in the process of the, I guess, newborn stages?
1: Yeah, there's, there's certain things you will not be able to accomplish unless you're and breastfeeding is the number one thing. It's feeding. Yeah. let's get let's get to the point. And she may be obviously they, they can pump and freeze the milk and there's things to manage that, but Take something else over, you know. Besides the bathing, which you can do and changing the diapers, there's laundry, there's dishes. It's housework you may not want to do, but if you're if you have a stay at home wife breastfeeding five, six, seven, eight times a day, the house is going to get disorderly. The laundry's not going to get done. It's going to be a mess. And the more um, you can help alleviate that for your spouse, she's going to be relieved. Mm. And that's all you're trying to do is participate as much as you can, and then eventually. When they move past breastfeeding around like I said nine or ten months, maybe a little earlier if they're to help them sleep through the night, you can get involved with that. And then that's make that your nightly thing.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, it's just it alleviating the tensions that exist in the home any way you can is gonna make you a better dad. Even though I mean I feel like it when you're separating whites from colors and doing the laundry and all that kind
0: of stuff. I mean, I love that you put that in the book because I think you also said that if your example of a you know the father is you know in the 1950s he come home, kick your feet up, and ask if yeah. dinner's ready. Like I think you're in for a rude awakening, and and I think that's kind of some of of the advice you're giving with teamwork making the dream work is you know keeping an orderly home and, and picking up some of the the chores. For me and my wife, we don't kind of think think of just like oh gender roles. This is what you do. This is what you do. Yeah. We look at what needs to be done in the house. What am I able to do now to maybe even alleviate some of that pressure on my spouse? Coming before recording this podcast, I noticed my wife ran the dishwasher. I don't have much time, but I have five minutes to empty the dishwasher really quick. Yeah. So when we yeah. eat dinner later on, it's ready to load up with some dishes, and we don't have a full sink by tomorrow morning. So I guess it's you're, you're kind of saying you know, be attentive, survey the field. I think you also had the sideline analogy somewhere in the book of as athletes standing on the sideline, just watching the game, you get in the game and and find out how you can actually play and help out. Yeah. What would you say is, I see both sides of this, and this is, I guess, a debate, one of my last questions here. Yeah. It's a debate that I think has gone through the test of time where, you know, some people say the priority is the kids. Other people say the priority is the marriage. What, mm-hmm. what would you say is the priority in a household, you know, as, as you're raising a child and and, you know, hoping to instill and raise good humans.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think I'll cite advice given to you by my mother-in-law, mm-hmm. which she, she pops up like four or five times in the book. She's a very wise woman, <laughs> married 45, 55 years. So, you know, I, I give her credit in the uh, the credits too. She said, your marriage is your institution. You have to espouse equality, make decisions together, trust one another, and it has to come before anything else. Obviously, the children are going to be part of that discussion. But when you start there, it helps to involve a man if he's working outside of the home and he doesn't have a, a, a daily say in what goes on. It's more involved for the dad. And I also think that it's not a distinction between the marriage or the children. I think it, it's, it's a blend of the two. But ultimately, the, the key thing that I think that listeners should take away is that you have to make decisions together as a couple. And all the outside influences, the opinions, the advice, some of it's going to be needed. And you're not going to know what's going on when you're a first-time dad and first-time you're a young child. But eventually, you can take all the advice you want, but you and your wife make the ultimate decision. Hmm. And if that runs counter to your in-laws or counter to your best friend, or doesn't matter. As long as you and your wife are on the same page, that's going to be the foundation that gives your children that much more structure and that much more chance
0: for success. Nice. Yeah. This is my last question, which some would probably think it should have been my first question, but I made it my last question on purpose because, you know, I wanted to, you know, dissect some of the tidbits in the book. Obviously, not without giving everything in the book. There's so much in Rookie Father, a playbook for men experiencing fatherhood for the first time. I think there's a wealth of knowledge in it and we kind of just scratched the surface of that. But My last question for guys that are listening, maybe contemplating this, I know in our modern man group, we have a bunch of guys that are already knee deep in fatherhood and, and working it out as they go. For those who are not fathers yet, how do we know when we're ready?
1: Oh, tough question. <laughs> you
0: know, I don't know if there's any
1: ideal time because I've talked to young guys to, I talked to fathers that have the experience of being young dads and then had kids later on in life. Hmm. And some of it was they had their two kids and all of a sudden the wife walks in, hey, I'm, I'm pregnant. And like their youngest one's 12. Like, oh, we got a third one on the way. Okay. Like I have multiple friends that's happened to. But what, what I've seen is that younger dads have the energy to keep up with their kids. And they have the same, not athleticism, but the same stamina that mm-hmm. old fathers don't have. They don't have the patience though. And that's the challenge being a young dad. Older dads have a plethora of, of, of patients, but some of them, they don't get to care of themselves. They get busy with work and dads who are in their forties and fifties, like that's the prime of their career. So the, the the money they can make the time it commits, it's pressure. And that takes you time away from you taking care of yourself. Mm -hmm. So if you're young, no matter what form it comes into, the the upside is that kids go to college and you still have years of life ahead of you, years of life. And It'll be a struggle at first, maybe financially. And for older dads, make every moment that you can count. And again, if being an older dad, you're probably more financially sound. So there's pros and cons. My point being is there's no ideal right moment. I think it, if anything, it, it stems from the, for the point when you found the right woman. Mm. That's number one. Someone you can go through thick and thin with. Good and bad times this is going to happen.
0: I love my, my, my older sister was the one that told me this. When I was deep in my dating phase and probably not always making the best choices, my (laughs) sister told me, she said, Ted, I don't care how good she looks in that red dress. When it's three o'clock in the morning, you're on two hours of sleep. There's no more coffee left. and You have work in three hours. You want a partner. (laughs) You want someone who's right there with you covered in spit up, not the person who looks great in the red dress, because that's not going to help you build the establishment. Yeah, yeah. Kendall Smith, how can some of our listeners follow with up with you, get their hands on the book? Maybe reach out if they have some nine one one emergency fatherhood questions of their own that I didn't get to ask today. I really appreciate your knowledge, your time, and the fact that you put all of this in an easy digestible book for folks is really a gift to the world. So I'd love for oh, our audience you. to have have some access to you.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and I'm. I would welcome it. So first, the book's available, national book, local booksellers. You can find it at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Target, Walmart. Uh, I encourage folks to go to local book, bookstores to find it. TheRookieFather.com is the website which has the reviews, articles. And then Gmail is TheRookieFather at Gmail. It's a uh, same handle for Facebook for Instagram and author Kendall on Twitter, and I welcome everyone and anyone to, to, to sign up. And I'm going to check out your Modern Man uh, Facebook group. I'm going to join it.
0: Yeah, please do. And, and hop in because I, I know we have, I like to throw questions out. And there's also questions from the members. And again, I'm 100%, percent not, not going to say 100% self-aware. We always work on that self-awareness, but- I know I don't know it all, and there are avenues where I'm more focused on procuring the experts than being the expert, and okay. the community is really what it's all about. So, I would love to have you in the group. I think sure. our men would very, very much get a lot of benefits for, from the knowledge and everything you have to share. So, thank you for being with us today, Kendall, sharing your your insights, your thoughts, and I hope folks can pick up the book.
1: Thanks, Ted. Great talking to you, and, and uh, wishing you all the best success with the, uh, the revised new uh, podcast. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, I appreciate it. And I think this is just the tip of the iceberg for how deep and how much impact we could have for men who are, who are looking to reach their potential and unlock their potential. So for everybody making it to the end of the episode, we thank you. We appreciate you. If you're contemplating fatherhood, you're not sure if you're ready yet. I'll tell you what someone told me. A mentor said, Ted, you're never going to be ready. When you say, I got to wait till I get one million, you get to one million, you get to two million in the bank, you're still not ready financially, emotionally, <laughs> mature, maturity levels. Everything's going to be a work in progress. So when you meet that right partner, when you meet that right person, that spouse, your wife, or, or your, your partner to go through thick and thin with, that is going to be the time. And of course, embrace even every single moment and create those moments with your child because they can't be replaced. You can build your career later. You can build your business later. You can get back to work later. But make those memories while you still can. We appreciate you guys being on this episode with us. Hopefully you got value from it. If you did, hit that subscribe button to get a new episode each and every single week. I encourage you to join and check out our Facebook group to keep the conversation going with like-minded men who are looking to show up as their best selves in their everyday lives and help each other grow. Thank you guys. And as always, we'll catch you next week.